Hi everyone, welcome. It's another episode of Talent Talks. I'm Rob Adams, and today we are joined by Dave Melville, founder and CEO of the Bowdoin Group. Today, Mr. Melville joins us to discuss diversity in executive recruiting and how the Bowdoin Group is working to place diverse leadership at its client companies. Dave, welcome to the show, and thanks for your time today. Thank you, Rob. Pleasure to be here with you. Obviously, we appreciate your time and, and uh, your ability to share your expertise on all of this. So let's jump right into it. What diversity and inclusion efforts uh, do you see being taken across the executive search industry? And how does diverse leadership benefit organizations? Okay. Good question. So let me give you a little bit of context first so you can know the world I live in. So the Bowdoin Group deals primarily with um, life sciences companies, tech-enabled healthcare companies. We also do work with fintech companies. About 90% of our business is healthcare-related in some shape, and we deal with companies that are sort of startup companies, meaning under 500 people on the front end of technology, gene therapy, CRISPR, um, you know, tools, uh, digital medicine, et cetera. So that's the world that I'm interacting with every day. Um, you know, I think in the life science industry, in particular, um, the events over the past 12 months have really been a huge awakening for everybody, not only with where biopharma, health tech, et cetera, fits into just deliver, into delivering products for healthcare, where they fit in society and the importance of society. I mean, we can go on, but but it's obvious. And you know, whether it be the pandemic or the the murder of George Floyd, I mean, it has all impacted everybody. Sure, it, and it's quite a time. It's quite a time, and something that was always on everybody's mind has now come to the forefront. And we've seen this massive push and thought and. I need to build the best team to be innovative for the future, the best team to attract high quality talent. And to do that, I need to think differently about the pool of candidates that I'm bringing in. I, I need to think differently about how I interact with the communities that I'm in to be a good citizen, to attract people. And how can I stay innovative? So if you go backwards a little bit, you know, hiring for diversity has always been, regrettably for all of us, my company too, I'm part of this journey as well. Certainly not perfect. We're going through it with our clients. It's been very tactical. You know, I, 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 I am missing this underserved female, some underserved group. Let me make my next hire that. And so you'll come to the plate with, with candidates and they'll say, I've got these people that have 10 out of 10 qualifications. And oh, yes, I have this you know, underrepresented group, and this person is seven out of 10. What's the first thing they hear when mm -hmm. they're seven out of 10? Yeah. Not as well qualified. Right. Right. So what they wind up doing is they, they hire the 10 out of 10. So nobody wants to have an unqualified person on the team, no, zero people, right? You can't run a company like that. So let's, let's just call it what it is. So, so what we've learned through studies, through research is a diverse team is more high performing. Everybody agrees with that. Mm -hmm. A diverse team has better ability to retain and attract talent. Study after study shows this. Mm -hmm. No disagreement. 
So how do we get to this point that we get to? So now what companies do with us, what we do with them is when they say, I need you to hire, let's say a head of medical affairs. Back in the good old days, we'd say, okay, what's the job specs for that? And then we go out and look for it. But now we start with, what does your leadership team look like? Where are your strengths? Where are your gaps? What do you need? And of course, we'll present you somebody that's 10 out of 10, but in this highly competitive environment, that's unlikely anyway. So let's, let's think of how we build a team the right way. So, hey, you know what? Your CMO is a brilliant scientist in the gene therapy space, one of the top people. Your chief scientific officer is a thought leader in the space, but they're not great leaders and they've never gone commercial. So what if we had a really strong person that didn't do all 10, but was an amazing leader and could leverage off the experiences of the other team? When we start to have those conversations, we begin the journey of diversity and we begin the journey of building a better team. And then it also involves training to the interview team, like, hey, we're looking at this differently now. We're looking at building a team and a highly functioning company. We're not just looking at filling 10 out of 10. Sure. These are the discussions we're having, and this is how we're setting up the process. Wow. Wow. It, incredible. How, how, does, how has Bowdoin Group promoted diverse candidates and leaders into positions that they have placed? And to that end, how does Bowdoin Group plan to continue diversity and inclusion efforts going forward? Yeah. I, I can tell you this. Um, if you're an executive search firm and you're not thinking about diversity inclusion, you're going to be obsolete. We will be obsolete. We've got to, we've got to do it. Our industry, regrettably, is, you know, is not diverse. Uh, in my company, 65, we have 45 people, 65% female. Um, regrettably, 10% is non-white. We need to make adjustments in this. We need to go through a process just like our, our clients do. So, so I'm not here telling you that I'm perfect or have every solution. Um, you know, I think the, the, the way that the two things we need to do to build the best team, right, is understand what the team really needs in addition to the role. And we need to all become aware, and we work with our clients on this, on how to interview without using our conscious biases, where, where we automatically favor someone that's a member of our club, whatever club that may be, and how we, we're not trying to eliminate biases, because everybody's got biases, mm. but how can we become aware of them? And, you know, you can say you want to do diversity, you, you can say you want to defend the specs, but if the team's not aligned with that and they have biases, it doesn't work. So we now get try to get everybody at the table and work with them. And then what we do is we promote the person that can fill the gap in the team the best way. We certainly know they need to hire the best people. And the good news is when we look at it the right way and ask different questions, we can find the best person. It's just coming from a different flavor than the 10 out of 10 checkbox. <laughs> yeah. Um, in terms of the life sciences and healthcare industry, are they achieving their diversity goals? And in, is the industry advanced in promoting diverse leaders? So again, so I deal in the, I'm not going to speak for the whole industry, but sure. I'll speak for my, you know, my interactions, which is really the, the startup high tech ecosystem in, in life sciences. I, I don't know anybody that is standing in front of a mission accomplished flag. 
I, I don't I don't know one one person that is. Um, I know I, I think everybody was seeing a tremendous push in it. Um, I think so. For instance, I'm I'm heavily biotech. As we said earlier, life sciences in general, they understand their place in the community now. If you know, go back three years to J.P. Morgan conference. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what the data was this year, but there were more people speaking, more CEOs with the name Mike than females speaking to the investors. More with the name Mike, they became known as the Mikes, <laughs> sort of famous, right? <laughs> females. I think I think it was like Mike, Jim, Dave. Females were number four. They were number four ranked. Then the next year they moved up. They were like number three ranked. You know, mm-hmm. so everybody knows there's an issue across the board. You know, um, so. You can just see massive movement. For instance, I'm involved with this organization, Life Science Cares, that started in Boston, just giving back to the community, to underserved areas of the community, to help you know promote help, help promote well-being. And you know, now that's grown to Philadelphia, San Diego, um, San Francisco. J.P. Morgan itself just gave the San Francisco a million dollars. You know, recognizing this gap that exists in Boston, they raised two million dollars. For uh, for for COVID relief on top of the regular funds, the industry gets it. It's it's at the forefront, um, but they know this hard work. I mean, you know, the challenge is when you start a life science company, right? You start it usually with limited or health technology enabled company. Sure. You start with limited funds, right? So so who's the first? Who are the first people you bring in? Mm. Members of your club. Exactly. People that, people that you know. I did it when I started my company. It's what you do, right? People you're comfortable with. People you're comfortable with. People, and you understand why. And then they've got very specific timelines they need to hit. And the challenge is when you hire quickly in the same club, it's very hard to break out of that. It's really hard. Yeah. Companies, you can just look, pick up, you can just do this on your own. Find a, a a female or a black CEO of a biotech company and look at their team. It's always more diverse. <laughs> you could just do it on your own. I challenge you. Yeah. You know, look at the founding team. It's more diverse. If you can get your team diverse early, then you you are going to have better time an easier time attracting better, more diverse talent, building better teams. It's hard to break out of that early. And that's what a lot of them are facing right now. We're all facing this. How do we now begin this long-term strategy to diversify? But I can tell you it's in the top of everybody's minds. The first, we're getting asked about it right away. I've been asked about it for years, but not with this level of intensity and not with this level of commitment. You know, you mentioned the the mission accomplished flag, and it just kind of made me think as a follow-up, can we ever reach a point of a mission accomplished flag? And can we obviously can never let up, that's for sure. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I, I think I'd maybe, that's a really good point. You know, I would maybe say we never should reach a mission accomplished. That's well said, yeah. You know, because when we do, we have formed a club. And the trouble with the club is it all thinks the same. You know what I mean? You think of a club, think of a frat. You know, you can tell who's in the frat. And that doesn't mean they're good or bad, but they have a tendency to operate the same way. They're not innovating. You know, so so I think to evolve, we need to know that, yeah, this is this is where it is. And we need to know that we have a societal obligation to create pipelines of educated talent that 
you know, can can fill our roles to solve really big problems. That means also being an active member of our community, not just living in the walls of our office when we used to have offices. Yeah, that's right. When we used to have offices, for sure. Dave, looking forward, we can kind of bounce off that answer. What do you see as the biggest obstacles um, going forward? What, What are those obstacles and how can we avoid them? So I, I would think, you know, if it, it's how do I balance the, the longer term imperatives that are out there for me to thrive as an organization versus the immediate needs that I have to move a product forward, to get funding, to... It is so easy in the moment, in the chaos, to go for the 10 out of 10 Mm. because at least it's safe. If nothing else, it's safe. It may not be the best thing long term, but they can move me to one thing and the 10 out of 10 usually looks the same way, right? And I think it's really hard to realistically say, we need to move our business together, but we need to build a team that's built to last. Right. That's really hard. And the other thing that's really hard, if you're a company that's, which are most that aren't where they want to be, you can't solve the problem overnight. And it can't be solved without commitment, frank conversations and some, and some pain. Um, And I think the thing, like we did in our company, right? So we're having these really frank conversations. We've been having them really, they're much different levels since, you know, the riots after George Floyd was killed. And, you know, it's, it's a scary thing for a company to have these conversations. They split families apart. You know, I mean, look at the, look at the country, you know, (laughs) Um, and, but when you go through the process, it brings the team, at least with us and and our clients that have gone through it and are going through it because it doesn't stop. It, It brings you together and, it brings the knowledge of like, yeah, we're not where we want to be. Yeah, we're not perfect. But we do need to move forward. We know we're going to move forward over a period of time, and we know it's going to be one step. And, you know, our clients used to come to us, and they'd say, hey, can I have a, you know, for my for this hire, for my CFO, I need, and they, like, let's just make, say, a female, right? Sure. That's, and then that will be our checkbox, because then we have a female on the, on the so they weren't, poor meaning that was just we need if we don't have any females on the executive team we the cfo jobs open that needs to be a female we've now moved and and you still feel that way when the opening comes but we've now moved past that so how do i not get in a position like this again and how can i think further ahead so i'm not in this oh my god this just looks and feels terrible how do i not get into that and that isn't something that any of us can do overnight. But I think the good news is companies are growing so fat rapidly, they're innovating so quickly, there is an opportunity to do it right. And we're finding as companies are doing it, their teams are better, they're having easier times attracting people, it's not degrading the talent. You know, it's hard work, though. It's hard work. Yeah. yeah, it's really hard work. And it's important. And if we can't do it, you know, just demographically, we're going to be obsolete, just look at the demographic changes. It's, it, so it, it's critical. It's, it's, it's as much as an opportunity and threat, I think, 
is facing anything we have right now. Considering how you've had your finger on the pulse of all of this, do you feel good about the future? I, I do. I, I feel, you know, it's a good question. Let me let me think about that. You know, people people that get into the the life sciences industry, regardless of what it is, it's a really hard industry. Most things fail, right? Most things are just more expensive and longer, than, even when they succeed. And they're really smart people. And they got into the industry because there was something in them, something in their head, something that more than money, I'm not saying they don't want to make money, but they could have gone to Wall Street. They're very smart. They could have done easier. They could have taken easier paths to make money. They, they get into life sciences. You know, I'm not saying there aren't bad boys in it, but by and large, the ones we've dealt with in my life, they, they get into it for good most of them and the people that care about helping people they would have taken an easier path if they didn't right and and i think that now that these people that are smart that are ingrained with this issue when they see how big and important it is they care about it genuinely mm -hmm. and the conversations have moved from i need to do this for my business and i need to do this because it's right and I need to do this because this is part of who I am and this just has to be done. And it's just a, for all of us, a much different conversation than, Hey, this position just opened. We have all white males. Can I not have an, it's, it's gone well, well, well past that. And they've engaged their companies. And once you've engaged a company, you can't walk back from it. That's the thing. Like, look at, look at um, for sports fans, you know, look at, look at the Texans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, so, right? They're going to lose. So they they say they want a diverse hire. They tell Deshaun Watson that we'll 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 we will at least consider it. Right? They don't. Right. I don't think they made guarantees. They said well, you'll be part of the process. We will consider this. They completely ignore the process. Right? Now they're going to lose their future. That's right. <laughs> I mean, that was a that was a mistake. Yeah. But you can't open the door and shut it. They opened the door and then they didn't, but they weren't serious. And to me, it's like, guys, and I, I think companies, they know this. When you open the door and say, we're going to do this, there's no walking back. That's right. That's right. Quite, and I think everybody knows that. Yeah, quite a loss for an NFL team for sure to lose uh, Deshaun Watson, no question. For no reason. They just, they didn't run the process they said they were going to run, and, you know, and... and <laughs> and it comes right back into our conversation, which you're alluding to, which is quite interesting. Right. So this is what we need to do. If we're serious about it, I think people are. We need to run the process. And remember, everybody agrees Deshaun Watson wants to win a Super Bowl. I don't know him, but I assume he wants to win a Super Bowl. He did not want someone underqualified in the role. That's right. But what he was saying was, let's find the best qualified person, regardless of who they are. Let's run a process that gets us the best person. That's and I... I think that's what, that's what we're talking about. It's so true. Diverse leadership can be transformative for any organization, and the same is certainly true for life sciences and biopharma companies. Diversity will continue to have a large impact on recruiting and leadership teams, both domestically and internationally. Dave, as we wrap things up, I thank you so much. And a final thought before we say goodbye? No, it's been a pleasure, Rob. And, you know, Maybe if we do this again uh, sometime in the future, we can talk about, 
you know, the advancements that have been made and, you know, I'm sure there'll be many pitfalls along the way, but we'll, we'll all get there. Thank you for making this very important issue um, something that that is a high priority for your team as well. Uh, I'm happy to be a part of the journey. That's all the time we have here today. I'm your host, Rob Adams, alongside Dave Melville of Bowdoin Group, and this is Talent Talks.